Daniel chapter number 9, starting at verse number 5, there the Bible says, We have sinned, and we have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servant, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings and our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces. As at this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, and caused of their trespasses that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured out upon us, and the oath is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges, and judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For unto the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, All this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil that is brought upon us, for the Lord our, our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. Heavenly Father, as we come before you now, Lord, I pray, dear God, on behalf of our, our homes, I pray, dear God, on behalf of our church, I pray, dear God, on behalf of this county, this state, and on behalf of our nation, Lord, no doubt we have sinned against thee. Father, I pray, dear Lord, that in this time we would see, Lord God, a need of repentance. I pray, dear Lord, that we would take the example that is given to us in your precious word and that we would heed to it, dear God, and we'd follow you. Father, I pray for the blessing of this message now, dear God. Stir our hearts in all of this. Let it not be in vain, dear Lord. Let us not go back to the way things used to be, just normal, and not take heed to what you're teaching us. But, Father, I pray, dear God, again, your hand of blessing, your hand of mercy, and I thank you for your love today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we looked last week, dealing with the subject of, of setting our face towards sovereignty, this man Daniel here, at this time had been in captivity in Babylon there for approximately 67 years. From the time he was a young teenager, he had been taken out of the land of Jerusalem and had been taken over uh, to Babylon because of the rebellion of the entire nation. That sin had reached a point to where God could no longer just show mercy, but he had to bring about judgment. And here is Daniel as he has been in this captivity almost 70 years now, and he is studying the Word of God, and he realizes that God is working. He's not done with Israel, and he's even working on behalf of the people that he's getting ready uh, to restore even a group to go back uh, to that precious land there. And Daniel begins to realize uh, that God is, is stirring that nation and God is going to put some pieces in place there to allow them uh, to go back to their home there. And Daniel's heart begins to be stirred here. Uh, Daniel's heart begins to see uh, that God is still on the throne and there's never been a time uh, that God was out of control here. And it begins to stir his heart. And as he searches that scripture and recognizes the work of God, he also recognizes the guilt of Israel. He sees the grace of God, that God is going to restore them. But he sees also the guilt of Israel, 
that they need to repent before restoration. That before God can send blessing, there has to be a humble heart of repentance there. And Daniel begins to do something. He begins to pray and to intercede for his people to pray on behalf of Israel there. And I love this here. We will not find anywhere in Scripture any personal recorded sin of this man Daniel. There's nowhere in the Bible where you'll find where Daniel had an open failure like we read about with Abraham or, 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 or Isaac or uh, David or Solomon. We don't see anything like that recorded in Scripture. But here's this man Daniel and he comes humbly and he comes uh, soberly and he uh, bows before a holy God there and he begins to confess not only the, the sin of Israel and the sin of the nation but his personal sin there and he cries out. Friends, we see in these verses that are just read there no less than nine times uh, we see in these verses there uh, the word we is used there associating himself with that sin no less than nine times the word us is used no less than 12 times the word our is used there and what he is saying is it's our sin it's our problem it's our nation that needs it it's not God that was wrong in his judgment it's not God that was wrong in his dealing it's us that are in the sin there it's us that need to repent it's us that need to turn back to God and get our faces right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I'm telling you right now, we need to take heed to what God is telling us as a nation. We need to take heed to what God is telling America. I understand this scripture is written to the nation of Israel, but all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable uh, for reproof, for doctrine, for correction there. It's an example unto us that God has given us an opportunity to see that we need to repent as a whole. I want you to notice three things that we see here that Daniel talks about when he points out this prayer there, this great prayer of humility and this great prayer of repentance there. I want you to notice, first of all, Daniel points out the reckless abandon of the people, how they had forsaken God there. Look at verses 5 uh, through verse number 8. In verses 5 and 6, we see the severity of this sin. We see just how bad. This sin is. We see sin through God's eyes there. Daniel mentions uh, several things there. Several statements are, are, are brought out there. In the first part of verse 5, he says, We have sinned there. Literally, we have missed the mark. Our shot has been off there. Uh, where we were aiming at holiness, we missed it there. and We went into heathenism. He said, uh, we've missed where God has wanted us to be there. Uh, we've sinned. We've missed that target. He said, we've committed iniquity there. Uh, the word iniquity, it means a, a perverseness. It means to be bent or to be crooked there. If you can think of someone that is shooting an arrow, could you imagine trying to hit uh, an arrow, no matter how good a shot that was, if that arrow is crooked and that bow is bent there, uh, that arrow is not going to ever hit that target there. Friends, when there's sin in our heart, when there's unconfessed sin between us and God, when we don't allow God to search us the way He ought to, when we don't allow that Word of God to come in and to explore our heart and to show us our faults and our failures, no matter what we do, we'll never hit that target the way God wants us to. He said we've sinned, we've committed iniquity there. Uh, he goes on to say we've done wickedly. That term there speaks to the very nature, the fallen nature of humanity there. He said our heart it's just not right with God there. Everything we've done has been outside of the will of God. Oh, friends, he goes on to say we've rebelled. Uh, that speaks of a, a, a revolt against God and against royalty there. It's a reference to the rebellion, uh, both of God's precepts, His Word, and God's prophets, His witnesses. They rebelled against everything God had to say there, friends. He had come to them over and over again. He had given them an opportunity 
to turn back. He had given them an opportunity uh, to get right and they refused it. He had given them a chance before Babylon had came in, before Assyria came in, before judgment had come down. God had given them a chance to turn back and to seek His face and they refused it. Oh, friends, God help us that we don't do that same thing today. God help us that in the midst of all of this, we don't miss what God wants us to see, that we don't miss that mark, that we recognize that no matter what, we're sinful creatures and we need to repent to a holy God. He talks about thy judgments. The judgments of God. He said your judgments are right there. The uh, the phrase judgment speaks both of what God judges is right for us to do, our conduct but also what God judges is right for Him to inflict His condemnation, His judgment. Oh, friends, Daniel here, uh, the various terms that are used there, the various uh, expressions for sin, what he's saying there to sum it up, he said we've sinned in every possible way. Every way that we could fail God, we've done it. That's what Daniel is saying about Israel. Friends, I think back to the reference in Genesis 6, right before that flood came. And in verse number 5 there it says, Every thought and imagination of the heart was only evil continually there. That word imagination, it literally means every desire, every action, every thought, every part of their being only desired wickedness. Friends, uh, there was an unbridled wickedness there not only uh, before the flood, not only before the captivity, but friends, uh, before the rapture of the church comes. As we take steps closer and closer and God could call us out at any time before the rapture of the church comes, those hearts are going to descend away. Those hearts are going to go into apostasy, friends. It may just be that God is offering us one more opportunity. Daniel here recognizes the severity of that sin. I don't have to tell you that we've come to a place in society where we no longer view sin the way God views sin. The things that come on television shows, the things that we allow, the things that, uh, that we see partaking all over, laws that are being passed, lifestyles that are being accepted, actions that are being looked down upon. Friends, we've come to the place where we've made a mockery of what God has called holy. We've come to the place where it doesn't bother us anymore. We've come to the place where nothing makes us blush. That sin, it just, it's laughed upon, it's, it's looked at, it's looked down on, it's, it's, uh, we, we give it every term under the sun to make it comfortable to us, but friends, in the sight of God, it's still an abomination, and He keeps accurate records today. They had come to the place where sin did not bother them anymore. And there was no longer a distinction between Israel and every other nation around. Friends, you realize the church, the very word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia. It means a called out assembly. There's supposed to be a distinction between the child of God and the lost person. There. There's supposed to be something about us that because we're born again, we walk to, uh, we're under different law, we're under different governing, we follow God. We've got a heart that desires His, uh, His thoughts and His holiness and His peace and His joy and His word. There's supposed to be a difference between us and the world and that distinction, that barrier, that difference is breaking down. And God's getting to the place where He's trying to get our attention. Not only do we see the severity of sin, but we see the shame of that sin in verses 7 and 8. Verse number 7 and verse number 8 there, two times we see the phrase, confusion of faces, but unto us 
belongeth confusions and faces. What it literally means, what that phrase literally means, is a shame of face. If you can imagine uh, when a child is caught, when someone is caught doing something wrong, and they drop that head down in shame, and uh, they fail to look that, uh, that parent, and they fail to look that person in the eyes, or there's a, a shame, there's a brokenness in their heart. They realize they've done wrong. That's what he's saying here. He said there's a shame of face. We can't look up. We can't look to God anymore right now. Our shame keeps us from being able to look to God with adornment. That's what Daniel is saying about Israel, friends. When there is something between our heart and God, when there is uh, something that keeps us from being able to approach Him as our loving Heavenly Father, when there's something, uh, that sin, that barrier between us, and that fellowship is broken, friends, we can't look at God the way God wants us to look at Him. We can't come with adornment. We can't come with joy. We can't come with peace. We come with shame and with fear. God, help us to see that today. God, help us to see that need that when we come to Him, Friends, He's our Father. The Bible says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba means Daddy, a term of endearment. I think of my children. I don't want my children to look at me with shame and to duck their head down and to be uh, pushed away from me. I want them to be able to come with fellowship and with joy in their heart and to be able to hug on their dad and to love their dad. Friends, how much more so does God desire that for us today? As a church, as a family, as a nation, how much more so does God want us to be able to come to His presence with peace in our heart and with joy and with thanksgiving and to be able to spend time with Him? Israel couldn't do that anymore. They couldn't look up to God in that same light. They couldn't look. That sin had put a barrier between them. Friends, do you realize today, if you're saved, thank God, you can't lose that salvation, but you can break that fellowship. And the most miserable person in the world, friends, understand something, is not the drunk, is not the drug addict, is not the sinner that doesn't know God. It's the one that knows Him and is out of fellowship with Him. The most miserable person in the world is the one who has something between their heart and the Lord. And they can't come in there. David said, my bones wax grosser. Literally everything about him, his strength was drained. When he was outside of the will of God. Solomon said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity that's empty, it's worthless. Friends, this life is not worth living for the Christian if we're not living it with the Lord, if we're not walking in fellowship with God. Daniel had recognized this. He recognized the state of Israel. He said, listen, it's us. We failed. It's not you, God. Understand something. Our nation in the shape it's in today, it's us, it's not God. And I want you to realize something today, church. I hope that what we're going through right now wakes us up. Because you say, oh, preacher, I'm not participating in that sin. No, but what are you doing to stop it? We're the barrier. A lost person is going to act like a lost person. They don't know any better. You and I today are called to be that light, to be that salt, to go out and to tell them about Jesus, friends. We need to tell them that sin is still an abomination to God. We need not to be ashamed of the Word of God. We need to stand on what God's Word says there and not back down from that thing. It's still the power of God unto salvation. It's still the blood of Jesus. There's still a holy God today. There's still a shame and sin there. And we need to understand that as God's people. Not only do we see the reckless abandon of God's people that is being talked about, and this included everybody, 
Daniel said in verse number 7, all Israel. He says, Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, talking about those southern two tribes that he was a part of. But he said, all Israel. He brings in the, uh, uh, the, the ten tribes that had gone into captivity over a hundred years prior. He said, all of us. All of us are guilty there, friends. Uh, uh, there's, no, uh, th there's no distinction. There's no missing of classes there. And verse 8, he says, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, literally from the regal down to the wretched, uh, from the prince down to the pauper, from the leaders down to the layman, everybody was guilty. Friends, I want you to understand something. There's not a one of us here today that can't openly pray, Lord, search my heart. Show me something that's holding me back from you. Help me to get it right and to draw closer. There's not a one of us that can point our finger at everybody else around us and say, you need to repent and you need to repent and you need to get right and not see it point back at us also. There's not a one of us who have gotten so close to God we can't draw any closer, friends. It may just be that God is trying to rekindle the fire in our hearts today. It may just be that even though we come in Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and we sit in that church pew, friends, it may just be that we're going through the motions and it's monotony and we've missed out on what God has for us today. It may just be God stirring our hearts up so that we'll draw a little closer. Not only do we see there the reckless abandon of the people, but we see the rich attributes that were pleaded. Look at verse number 9 here. Daniel, when he's praying, he points this out there. He said, To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against Him. I love this. Because Daniel does not come. As I said before, there is no recorded sin, personal sin of Daniel in the Bible. You'll not find one time where Daniel had failed God that is written down in that Word of God, you'll find his faithfulness over and over and over again. But here he comes and he does not plead his merit. He doesn't say, listen, God, I've been faithful. Listen, God, I deserve this. Listen, God, I've been good. I've stood for you. He comes there and his only plea today is mercy. You and I today, there's no bragging rights. From, the, from, uh, from myself to, to anybody in the church, to anybody around, anybody's listening, there's no bragging rights before God. We're all sinners that have fallen short. It's God's grace that has picked us up today. It's God's grace that has saved us. It's God's grace that keeps us and restores us. It's His mercy that allows us to be able to come into His presence. Daniel here recognized that. And he pleads on that mercy there. He pleads on the attributes of God there. I want you to notice the concentration of those attributes there. In verse number 9, we see the phrase mercies and forgivenesses. It's in plural. He doesn't just say mercy and forgiveness. He says mercies and forgiveness. You say, preacher, does that make a distinction? Absolutely. It speaks of the intensity of those mercies, of those attributes there. It speaks of how strong those attributes are, friends. In the book of Lamentation there, uh, in the letter of Lamentations, chapter 3 and verses 22 and 23, there the Bible says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. It is His mercy that He hasn't consumed us. It's His grace that He hasn't taken us out. It's His mercy that is new every morning. It's not our merit. It's not what we've earned. 
It's God's mercy and grace today. He said, because of that mercy and grace, we're not consumed at the intensity of that. This is a heartfelt plea on Daniel's behalf there. And he recognizes that God would have been just if he would have wiped Israel right off. The only reason Israel was not consumed there was because God promised it and God is faithful. Friends, you and I today, the only reason that God still deals with our heart is because of mercy and grace. God help us that we don't take that for granted. God help us that we don't fail to see just how good He is every day to us. God help us to recognize that when we pray and we come humbly before Him, the first thing we pray for before we ask God to work on anybody else is that we say, it's me, Lord. Work on me. He talks about that concentration there, the intensity. He also talks about the continuation of those mercies there, of those attributes there. That same phrase, mercies and forgiveness, not only does it uh, denote intensity there, uh, but it speaks of a continual exercise, something that is uh, used over and over and over again. Psalm 136, one of my favorite songs, uh, psalms in all of Scripture, 26 verses. And at the end of every one of those verses, the Bible says, His mercy endureth forever. Friends, thank God for that today. Thank God that His mercy endures forever. Thank God that it's God's grace there. Thank God that He wants to restore us and wants to show favor to us and wants to spend time and wants to bless us if we'll simply lay down our heart and say, God, help me to get anything right that's not in our lives. Daniel here recognized that, that God was faithful. That from the time Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, And God established that covenant with them. Even though Israel had seen wars, even though they had rebelled and been under the hand of other uh, nations around them, God had still been faithful. Friends, you and I today, all we can say is that God has been faithful to us. All that we can say is that God has been good to us. All that we can plead there is God's faithfulness and His grace and His mercy. We have no right to complain. He's done more for us than we could ever have deserved, than we could ever have done for ourselves. He's picked us up when we didn't deserve it over and over again. Not only do we see there the reckless abandon of the people and the rich attributes that were pleaded, but last of all this morning we see the righteous action of providence. Daniel goes on to point out something that only a heart that is truly in tune with God can point out. Daniel goes on and he looks at how bad the judgment that was brought on Israel, the destruction of the nation, the deportation of all the people, the invasion of the, uh, the Assyrians of the Babylonians, the, the, uh, the complete destruction of that temple. He goes on to look at all of it and you know what he says? He said, God, you were righteous in your judgment. Everything you did, God, was right. Even your judgment was right. Oh, friends, it takes somebody very mature to be able to take a punishment and to say, you're right in giving it. I deserve it. It takes somebody with a humble heart to be able to stand and say, listen, this one's on me. Your judgment, your punishment is just. This one's on me. 
Daniel had come there and he recognizes that the judgment of God, even as severe as it was on his nation, on his beloved people, this is a man who is now in his 80s, has not seen his homeland in, over, uh, in almost 70 years. Friends, did you know that Daniel was of royal lineage there? This was a man that would have had a very comfortable life had he stayed in Israel. This is a man that would have had uh, uh, regal and royalty had he stayed in Israel. This is a man uh, that would have been uh, in that royal line. But here he is in Babylonian captivity. Here he is a eunuch. Here he is a man uh, that has lost everything and has had to deal with uh, that pagan influence and has had to deal with uh, being away from his home and being away from everything he knew. This is a man who looks there and does not say, God, you've been unfair. But he looks and he says, God, your judgment is right. I want you to notice a couple things and we'll get ready to close this morning. I want you to notice that this judgment was a fulfillment of God's word in verses 10 through 13 there, especially verse number um, 11. I want to read that to you as we look at it. Verse number 11, Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Hundreds of years prior, God spoke through a man by the name of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter number 28 is the record of that, verses 15 through 68. And Moses gives a solemn warning as Moses is getting ready to pass off the scene. And he knows he is not allowed to take Israel into the promised land, uh, that Joshua is going to be his successor. And as he is getting ready to relinquish that torch... He speaks on behalf of God and he gives a warning to the nation of Israel. He said, if you'll walk with God, God will bless you. There'll be no enemy that can stand against you. If you'll keep his statutes and keep his commandments and teach his word to the next generation, God will bless your nation and no one will be able to stand against you. But if you rebel, if you turn away from God, then the judgment will be upon you. Verses 67 and 68 of that chapter even speaks to the fact of a worldwide dispersion. It was prophesied hundreds of years ago, promised hundreds of years ago, and Daniel recognized that, and he said, Lord, you warned us. Lord, you already told us we rebelled against you. Friends, all God was doing was keeping his promised word. That's a sobering thought today. When we think about America as a nation, friends, I understand that scripture speaking of Israel. But we put the application there and we put it to ourselves today. God has blessed this nation abundantly. But yet we have got to the place where sin runs rampant. We've got to the place where hearts are hard towards the things of God. The only time you ever see a Christian on TV, they're mocked, they're, uh, they're made fun of, they're, they're ridiculed there. Uh, anytime it's in a show, it's always some, uh, 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 somebody that is, is just, uh, just, just out there and just looked at as some type of uh, a freak or somebody that's weird there, friends. Uh, it's, it's laughed at, it's mocked. We look at sin and we celebrate it. We've got to the place as a nation where uh, we say that when we accept sin, when we accept homosexuality and we accept all types of, of, of transgender and we accept all types of, uh, of murder in, in the form of abortion and everything else, we got to the place where we say, hey, we're a progressed nation. 
and we've, uh, uh, we, we've uh, progressed and we've, we've grown and hey, uh, we're accepting and we're tolerant. Friends, God's not tolerant today. He's not changed His standards. His Word is unchangeable. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if He called it sin then, He calls it sin today. And we'd be in right standing if we got in the line with God. Daniel here recognized that God was keeping His promise there. In verse number 13 of that same chapter, Daniel says this, As it is written in the law of Moses, All this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God. He said even in the midst of all this, we still didn't repent. We still didn't turn back. Friends, right now, spiritually speaking, I believe that we are at a crossroads. I believe that we are standing at, that, at that, that crossroad right there. And we've got repentance on one side and rebellion on the other. And God is not forcing us to make the choice. He's saying, you pick. We know what's right and wrong. There's no doubt about it. It's clear. If you're a Christian today and you know that Bible, you ought to know that Bible, friends. You know what's right and wrong. There's no gray area. It's black words on white paper. God has spoken very clearly. And when we understand that, there, we're to see there that what God calls sin, we're to call sin today. There's no guessing. Is this okay? Is that okay? The word is clear today, but we are standing at that crossroad with repentance on one side and rebellion on the other. Israel chose rebellion. They had failed even when they had the chance to turn back to God, to, to lessen that wrath there, to, uh, to call upon Him for pardon, to confess their sins there, to, to seek out His mercy when they had the chance. God extended that hand of mercy for years to Israel before He ever judged them. Before the captivity came, there was prophet after prophet after prophet that were trying to lead them back right. And yet they rejected, yet they refused, yet they rebelled, yet they revolted more and more. And they said, we'll do it our way. That Bible's outdated, we'll do it our way. Friends, mercy rejected makes judgment necessary. Not only do we see the fulfillment of God's Word, but I want you to notice last of all, we see the fullness of God's wrath in verse number 14. It says, Therefore hath the Lord watched upon this evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all His works which He doeth, for we obeyed not His voice. The word watched there, the Hebrew word means to be carefully observant there, All that had been done. It means God saw every detail. There was nothing that took him by surprise. There was no sin that they were able to sneak in and hide. God had saw it all. And he got to the place where enough was enough. He had watched the rebellion of Israel. 
And he had ordained that judgment there. Not only does it says watched upon the evil, but it says and brought upon us. Notice it was God. God Himself that brought upon that judgment on Israel. It was God Himself that ordained it. It was God Himself that brought upon that, uh, uh, that punishment there. Friends, I want you to get a hold of that today. Yes, God is loving. Yes, He is merciful. Yes, He is gracious. Yes, He's patient. Yes, He's long-suffering. But He is also holy. And in that holiness there, when He judges, it is right and it is just and it is perfect. And what He brings upon us, we can't stand and say, God, you've been unfair. All we'll be able to do is say, God, you're right. Friends, I look today, and one of the things that worries me the most about this, one of the things that, that scares me the most, I guess to say, is not so much the sickness, as bad as that is. I pray for anybody that is exposed to it. I pray for anybody uh, that comes around it. I certainly wouldn't want it for myself or my family. I wouldn't do anything to foolishly put anyone in harm's way. But what's, what worries me is not the virus as much as it is that we don't learn from this thing. As much as it is that we get to the place where we don't see a need for God, where we don't see God tugging hearts, or where we don't see a need for repentance, where we don't see a need to turn back and to say, Lord, search my heart. And help me to learn from this thing. Help me to get right. Where we don't see a need to pray for the lost with a burden today. You realize today, friends, we see people going to hell left and right and we've gotten complacent on it. We come in and the Word of God, some of us, the only time we ever open that Bible is when we come in church, friends. This thing ought to be our daily guide. We ought not to be satisfied. We ought not to be able to fill up with what this world offers. That Bible ought to be the nurturing and the nourishment and the strength for God's people today. The thing that worries me the most is that we'll miss that. And that we'll get to the place where we say, well, when all this is done, we'll just go back to normal. Friends, maybe God doesn't want us to go back to normal. Maybe God wants to challenge our hearts. Maybe God wants to stir our homes and our families and our prayer life. That normal isn't good enough. I don't know about you today, friends, but I can tell you one thing. My heart's desire for this church as your pastor is that we come out with a deeper fire than we ever went in. My heart's desire is that when we think of church and we think of worship, we don't think of entertainment and concerts and swaying back and forth, we think of serving and sacrificing for a holy God. My heart's desire for this is that we no longer as a church look at sin in, in society and on television and laugh at it, but that we see it the way God sees it. My heart's desire is that we have a burden for the lost and we have true revival come to this church. Friends, I'm not a date setter. I'm not, I, I don't try and be somebody that is gloom and doom, and, and, but I understand that there's nothing left in that Bible that needs to be fulfilled before God calls us out of here. It could happen any moment. God could sound that trumpet. And I sure do want to be found being about His business when He does. I don't want to be found sitting back on the sidelines saying, let somebody else do it. We're at a crossroads today. 
Are we happy with just good enough? Or will we come humbly like Daniel, recognize that God is working, and realize that there is a need for repentance in our lives? That choice is on us today, friends. That choice is on us as a church. I will ask you this question as we close. Are you happy with just enough? Or will you take these next several weeks where conditions are different and lives are, are interrupted? Will you take these next several weeks not to look at more Facebook or to look at more uh, television or to, or to lounge around, but to spend time in God's Word and in prayer? Say, Lord, draw me closer. I want to know more about you. I want more of you today. What will it be, friends? I believe we've come to the place where God said, I'm done with those that are playing church. He told the Laodicean church, he said, be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'll literally vomit you out. What about us today, church? What about us? Heavenly Fathers, we come before you. Lord, I pray first and foremost that you would search my heart. I know that there are many things in my life, dear God, that could be corrected, could be improved upon, could be confessed. And Father, I pray that you draw me closer to you in this time. I pray that I'd not ask from this church or I'd not challenge this church to do anything that I myself am not willing to do. Father, I pray that in this time we would not get complacent. I pray, dear God, that we'd not get to the place uh, where Facebook is good enough or where uh, being out of the house of God is okay or where we're just comfortable being at home, but that we'd have a desire not only to come to your house, but to come with a purpose, with a broken heart to gather together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves uh, together as the manner of some is, but Lord, that you'd rekindle that fire, that you'd send real revival. Father, I pray. Please don't let our homes be the same. Please don't let our churches be the same. Please don't let us set, uh, settle for just enough. Give us a burden today. Father, I thank you for loving us and being so good to us. And Lord, no matter what, everything you do is right. Help us, dear God, to see that through clear eyes. Father, bless our hearts. Bless our homes. Bless the lost in our family that we would witness to them, that you'd Draw their heart with the Holy Spirit of conviction. Father, bless us that we'd live in such a way that the lost would want what we have. Help us to be that light of the world, the salt of the earth. And help us that good enough is not okay. Lord, we need you today. As humbly as I know how, dear God, I pray, please forgive me of my sins. Please make me more like you. I thank you for loving us, Lord. Please, please continue to bless this church. That whether it be today, tomorrow, a week, a year, whatever, that whenever you sound that trumpet, Northside Baptist Church will be found to be about our Father's business. Help us, Lord, please. We ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.